ShareCare, helping you find experts, the top minds in health and medicine. It's ShareCare Radio with Dr. Daria Long-Gillespie on RadioMD.com. Hello, happy Tuesday, everybody. It's Dr. Daria. For our next guest, we're going to be talking about dieting. And I want you to raise your hands if you've ever had trouble sticking to a diet. Because as we're heading into the second half of January, of the enormous number of people who set their resolutions, only 8% of them actually succeed. So as part of our next segment in our Making Change Stick series for January, we're going to focus on nutrition. And my next guest gave the popular TED Talk, you've probably heard it, on why dieting doesn't usually work. She's a neuroscientist and she dug into the science of why our brains don't want us to stick with that diet. Dr. Sandra Amit is here today to talk to us. She's going to talk about what we should do about it. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I want to talk, start with, you say three and a half years ago, your New, Year has, New Year's resolution was to give up dieting and stop worrying about your weight. And it was actually six that. years ago now. Six years ago, okay. And, but yet, despite doing that, you lost weight. What happened? Well, I didn't lose a lot of weight. And I, mm-hmm. want, to be, I want to be fair to people that the techniques that I'm talking about are not probably going to make people lose a lot of weight, but mm-hmm. there are actually no known techniques for losing a lot of weight and keeping it off mm-hmm. by changing your diet and exercise habits. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that people don't understand. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about, I mean, you're bringing science and evidence from your training at you know Yale and Johns Hopkins to the area of losing weight. Talk to us about what our brain does that makes dieting so difficult? So weight is a regulated process. It's Mm -hmm. the brain actually controls your weight and Mm -hmm. it does that by a process that's basically akin to a thermostat. Mm -hmm. So your eating and your exercise habits would be in that analogy, the exercise, the production of heat and the heat that escapes from your house. Mm-hmm. And you can make your house cooler by throwing a window open, but that mm-hmm. doesn't change the setting on the thermostat. And the thermostat's not going to just stand by and let you do that. It's going to mm-hmm. turn up the heat. Mm-hmm. And so when you lose weight, your brain does something very similar. It says, oh, no, we're starving. we got to fix this. And mm-hmm. it turns up all of the factors that promote weight gain. Mm-hmm. It makes you hungrier. It makes you feel less like exercising. And it also decreases your metabolism so that your mm-hmm. body actually burns less energy when you move. Mm-hmm. All of which made sense, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago when it was you were probably starving because food wasn't accessible. But right. not so, so much that- today. The vast majority of human history, we have been worrying about starving, and our brains mm-hmm. are very good at fighting against starving. Mm-hmm. But only, you know, the past maybe 100 years and more seriously in the past 30 years has the brain had to worry about people gaining too much weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's not very good at that. Yeah. It doesn't, exactly. it doesn't have a lot of controls in place because that's not a problem that it's used to dealing with. 
Yes, you're right. So this having too much weight is a very, it's a relatively newer problem. So what can we do if our brain is literally kind of programmed to hold on to the weight? You know, what are some tips? You say that there are two different types of eaters. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so I call them intuitive and controlled eaters. Uh, Intuitive eaters are people who eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full, who basically use food as fuel and not for a bunch of other emotional needs. Mm-hmm. And Which is what control, we kind of all want to be, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of our natural state. Mm-hmm. But uh, what we, a lot of us end up doing instead is becoming controlled eaters, which means that we try to use our... Uh, our rational brain systems are logic and counting and measuring and weighing and writing down numbers to try to control how much we eat. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work very well for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, on average, we know it doesn't work as well because intuitive eaters are thinner than controlled eaters. They also think less about food. They're less Mm -hmm. susceptible to advertising and all kinds of external cues. So Mm -hmm. the thing about the key with intuitive eaters is that they eat when their bodies want food. Mm -hmm. And they don't eat for the wide variety of other reasons that the rest of us do. Mm -hmm. And they probably also don't have to rely on willpower because they're eating when they want to. Right. If you eat when you want to and you're not invested in keeping yourself from eating when you want to, the way controlled mm-hmm. eaters are, then you don't have to use your willpower to keep yourself from eating. Mm-hmm. And the reason probably that controlled eaters tend to weigh more than intuitive eaters is because willpower fails. And mm-hmm. if you've been depriving yourself and depriving yourself and depriving yourself by the time your willpower fails, you probably got quite a head of steam built up. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, okay, a, so a lot of times that leads to binge eating. Mm-hmm. Yes, the def- and then you get that cycle. So it sounds like we all want to be intuitive eaters. When I think of my my two year old, she's a very intuitive eater. She literally only eats when she wants to. Definitely not when I want her to. But we've all kind of many of us have trained ourselves and we kind of become that controlled. How do we get back to being an intuitive eater? So typically that transition happens between about three and five years of age. Really? Okay. So your, your two-year-old is still in the intuitive eating phase, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope you guys aren't teaching her to do controlled eating. Okay, tell me how. What do I need to be doing? Okay. So don't complain if she doesn't want to eat something. Don't complain if she does want to eat something. Let her pick. That's, okay. that's the basic deal, because if your mealtimes are a constant stream of, oh, look, Grandma made you brownies, mm-hmm. and are you sure you want that? Mm-hmm. Then what you're doing is you're teaching the kid, don't trust yourself. You surely don't know how much you want to eat. Do what I say. I'm going to second-guess every decision that you make, and pretty soon you're not going to want to be making your own decisions anymore. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's so hard, though, because 
you know, for a lot of parents, what if the child's reaching for something unhealthily continually? What do they do? Well, in in reality, kids who are allowed to eat whatever they want actually eat more vegetables than kids who are constantly pestered about what they're eating. Really? But especially if you've been in a phase of controlling what your kids eat for a while, they probably also have a head of steam built up, and there probably mm-hmm. is going to be a lot of uh, mm-hmm. wanting the bad things at first. Mm-hmm. So one but thing I for most most of us adults and children, that's a phase. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I want to get to adults really quickly, but just to wrap up the children for any parents listening out there, one thing I've heard is you can, you know, you offer your child a variety of foods at dinner and then let them eat what they will of those foods, but then not get right. into a battle with them. Exactly. So your, your responsibility is to make healthy foods available and, you know, they don't have to be just salads and what what you probably think of as healthy mm-hmm. foods a, mm-hmm. a full healthy diet has a range of foods mm-hmm. and uh, little kids especially actually need a lot more fat than adults mm-hmm. which is something that a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. okay but, not you them. know as long as as long as your dinner table is not covered purely with cakes and cookies and candy <laughs> yeah. your kid is going to find healthy stuff to That's eat and you over the long run is going to want to eat healthy stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great information for how to start a child off unhealthy. Now, what about if somebody, for those of us who are adults already down that controlled road, how do we go back? Yeah, so that was really a surprise to me. Uh, I I made that change myself after a 30-year history of dieting pretty much at least every year. And I was very surprised to find that it was actually possible to make the transition back to being an intuitive eater. Mm -hmm. It took about a year. It wasn't an easy process, and it required a fair bit of concentration over the period of time when I was learning to do it. Mm -hmm. But it has become automatic, and that's the nice thing about it, as opposed to being a control leader, which never becomes automatic. You have to think about it forever. Mm-hmm. Once you have learned how to sense your body's needs and, and actually understand again when you're hungry and when you're full, then that becomes automatic and you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. it anymore. Okay, so how do we do that? So there are various uh, books on intuitive eating or mindful mm-hmm. eating, uh, those vary basically in the techniques that they're using to try to get you to the same place. Mm-hmm. But I did it without any help. I did it basically by just committing for that same year as part of this New Year's resolution to only eating when I was hungry and to paying attention every time I ate something. I would ask myself, am I hungry, or is there some other reason that I want to eat this? Mm-hmm. And if the like answer... A lot of, like a lot of chronic dieters, I, uh, I had pretty much lost track of the idea that it mattered whether I was hungry or not. Mm-hmm. So many you know, of us of... have lost that sensation. 
Yeah, if you if you spend decades suppressing, you know, trying not to think about the fact that you're hungry because you're trying not to eat, eventually you're likely to be pretty out of touch with your body and mm-hmm. not really understand how to even tell if you're hungry or if you're full. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the trick is that people who can't tell when they're hungry also can't tell when they're full. Yeah, of course. And so this deprivation makes it a lot easier to overeat mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it removes one of the major biological stops that keeps us from overeating. Well, because they're not listening to either signal. They're not listening to the hunger or the fullness. So you're right. saying that the way to kind of, sounds like it's a kind of like a vicious cycle. So you're saying stop that in the very first place by one, eating when you're hungry. Is that kind of step one is let yourself feel that and pay attention to those sensations? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. to respond to them, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're going to walk around being really good at sensing hunger because you're feeling hungry all the time, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking mm-hmm. about reacting to your body's mm-hmm. signals by feeding your body when it wants to be fed and mm-hmm. stopping when it's time to stop. Mm-hmm. And okay. generally, you can't do one of those things without doing the other. Mm-hmm. It's paying attention. So as you're eating from due to being hungry as you're eating, you're still paying attention and waiting for those, you know, which may be really subtle at first. Cause like you said, many of us have forgotten that feeling of oh, I'm starting to get full. So you really have to pay attention at first to, to feel it and notice it. Right. Yeah. And so to facilitate that, it helps to slow your eating down a little bit. It helps to eat when you're not distracted People who eat when they're reading or watching TV or doing something else tend to eat more than people who are concentrating on their food. Mm -hmm. And so, especially in the beginning, it's really important to carve out a space that allows you to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that wouldn't be something you'd have to do necessarily all of, you know, going forward in perpetuity, but at first just to get a handle on those sensations? Right. And then the... You'll you'll find as you pay attention to them that they become louder and louder and louder, and mm-hmm. eventually you get to the point where you basically don't have to think about it at all. You just always know whether you're hungry mm-hmm. and how hungry, right? It's not like it's an on-off switch. There mm-hmm. are there are graded degrees of hunger, and if you're about to go out to a restaurant, you probably don't want your hunger at zero. You might want it at a you know five or six on a ten scale, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, you probably don't want it at a ten either because that's likely to right. make you overeat when you get there. Right. It's everything the fat, whatever I can eat most quickly, I will put in my fa- in my body. Mm-hmm. But to that point, you also say part of it is kind of letting yourself eat what you want. So it's not just depriving yourself on the when, but it's letting yourself have the what as well. Yeah, I mean, if you're always substituting something you don't like that's lowering calories for what you actually mm-hmm. want, uh, what ends up happening is uh, you chase after the experience that you really wanted in the first place. Mm-hmm. So You end up still not feeling satisfied either. You, you eat the carrot sticks, mm-hmm. and they just 
don't do it for you. You're still hungry. That wasn't what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And so you are unhappy trying to convince yourself that what you really wanted was carrot sticks when it wasn't. <laughs> yes. Your I brain mean, knows how many, better. How many hours have you spent trying to convince yourself that what you really wanted was carrot sticks? Well, you know I know what I've, I've spent a lot. Yeah, exactly. And I, what I love about your philosophy is one... potentially somebody can potentially lose some weight with it, but also just gets us off that obsession that we have with constantly thinking about food, mainly driven because we're trying to deprive ourselves of it. And just freeing ourselves from that, just I'm sure that leaves so much room in your brain to think about other things, which is what you're doing. So yeah, I was I never really understood until I did this how much of my brain was occupied with constant worrying about food. I would have told you 10 years ago that I was a a very experienced, very, very good at dieting. It hardly took me any effort at all. It was just basically kind of automatic. But actually, when I stopped, it turned out that there was this whole section of my brain that I wasn't using for work or for my relationships or... Wow. to do anything that was important to me because there was this section that was always concerned with <clears throat> trying to fit into smaller pants. So you're saying I'm also going to get some extra brain capacity. I could use some extra brain capacity. So I like this. All right. In our last minute and a half, what's the number one way that somebody who kind of wants to develop this intuitive eating, what's the very first step they should take? So the very first step is just to commit to paying attention, even if Mm -hmm. nothing changes. And sometimes it's a good idea to start by spending the first couple of weeks or so taking stock. Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily try to change anything, but just try to notice. Try to notice how often you're hungry and don't eat. Try to notice Mm -hmm. how often you're totally full, but you keep stuffing food into your mouth. Mm -hmm. Um. I I was amazed when I started paying attention, especially the the latter. I you know I would have said, oh, I'm a control eater. I'm I'm mm-hmm. always in control, but I was I was kind of glossing over some mm-hmm. of those times when actually I didn't even want the food I was eating. Yeah. So it, it seems like in, in many ways it feels like the controlled eaters, it's really the food and the preoccupation with it that is what's controlling them. And then following your philosophy, they not only can lose that preoccupation, but they probably end up eating less because they're actually well, listening they to their body signals. They, they might or they might not, mm-hmm. depending on where their brain wants their mm-hmm. weight to be. Yeah. But what virtually everybody experiences is this sense of freedom. A sense of freedom. I love it. And that's a great place to start, especially for a great way to start off our January of 2016. Again, all of our listeners, you can get more from Dr. Amit at Sandra Amit, that's spelled A-A-M-O-D-T dot com, or find her on Twitter at Sandra underscore A-A-M-O-D-T. Watch your TED Talk at TEDTalks.com. This is Dr. Daria. You're listening to Share Care Radio on Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well. 